in us, we have the hope of glory. And without his presence, we have no hope whatsoever. You know, the Spirit of God is also called the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. He's the third part of the Trinity. He's equal with God. He is God, just like Jesus is. He's eternal in nature. He's perfect in every way. We find out from the very beginning of Scripture that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep at creation. And the Spirit has moved upon the hearts of men and women in every age of humanity. This morning, we want to discover how the Spirit of God deals with our hearts in this age, the New Testament age, what is sometimes labeled as the age of grace. And of course, Jesus told his disciples how the Spirit would be delivered to them, how he would indwell believers. Uh, the indwelling Spirit might be something that you comprehend, but it was especially tough for the disciples of Jesus to understand this. Uh, here we have a group of guys who had walked with Jesus for three years. They had slept where he slept, traveled where he traveled, ate what he ate. They were with him, and he was with them. And now Jesus tells them, hey guys, I'm going away, but I'll still be here. And they looked at each other like, say what? Right? And then he told them that the Father would give them another comforter, but that Jesus would also come to them. And then in verse 19, he told them, the world's not going to see me anymore, but you're going to see me. And I'm sure that they may have been more confused with every word he said. And when the Spirit came upon them in the upper room, which is detailed in Acts 2, they finally started to grasp the words that Jesus had spoken to them. Jesus is God in bodily form, and the indwelling Holy Spirit is God in spiritual form. And so Jesus would still be with them as the Holy Spirit. And now, if you're a believer, Jesus is with you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so let's recall this morning why we should be extremely grateful for the presence of God. First, we see that He comforts. He comforts. I want you to look at verse 16 again. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Now, if you're in chapter 14, drop down to verse 26. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, you'll find in uh, your notes this morning in your bulletin or on the YouVersion app that there are two more uses of the term comforter in the book of John. Uh, one is in chapter 15, verse number 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The other we see is in John chapter 16 at verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, this term comforter or helper or advocate uh, comes from the Greek word 
paraclete. Okay, not to be confused with the little birdie that people keep in a cage, parakeet. This is paraclete. Okay, paraclete means one who walks alongside. Uh, but this word, this Greek word, is also used over in 1 John chapter 2. And so travel over there with me, uh, either in your Bible or on your Bible app. 1 John chapter 2. And I want you to see the first verse there. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. There it is right there. That's the word paraclete. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And, and so Jesus is our advocate before the Father. The Holy Spirit is the helper in our hearts. And as we referenced a while ago, Jesus tried to uh, explained to his disciples that if he had remained on the earth, his comfort would have been limited to time and place. Not because Jesus is anything less than God, but because Jesus had subjected himself to human existence. But when he ascended back to heaven, he promised that the, through the Spirit, his comfort goes out to every believer in every place. Uh, we have an almost five-year-old at our house. His birthday is the day after Christmas. That is a horrible day for a birthday, right? Uh, if you think about praying for Titus on that day, pray for a little, little buddy. Uh, but he's been telling me a couple of times every week, Dad, I want to be with Jesus. And I think what he means is that he wants Jesus to be with him, right? And he, I want to be with Jesus. Uh, he just doesn't quite know how to express it yet. And so I've been talking with them a little bit. Uh, I know Amy has too. Isn't it interesting that, that little kids who are brought up at the feet of Jesus want him to be a permanent part of their lives? That's why Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. And for centuries, children who are taught the truth about Jesus desire his presence in their lives. Yeah, I remember a kid's song we used to sing back in the dark ages when I was a kid. Yeah, you may remember this. It went, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart. Lord Jesus. Now, why did we sing, Jesus, come into my heart, instead of Holy Spirit, come into my heart, right? Well, because we often use the term, Jesus in my heart, interchangeably with the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'll tell you why. It's because Jesus and the Spirit are the same God. They are both God. Jesus is our paraclete before the Father. He is the mercy seat for our sins. And the Spirit is our living paraclete. So he comforts us. But also we see, secondly, he guides us. He guides us. I want you to look back to John 14. And we saw this verse earlier, but let's read it again from this aspect now of Jesus guiding us. So John 14 and verse number 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay? Uh, look down at John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Okay, now go, go to John 16 at verse number 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, finally, I want you to travel back with me again to 1 John chapter 2. And John, uh, who was the human author for the Gospel of John, was also the human author for this book of 1 John. And look at 1 John chapter 2 at verse number 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, I realize there are some well-meaning people who might think, hey, the words of Jesus Christ are infinitely true, so why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, we need Him because He illuminates and applies God's truth to our hearts. Illuminates means that He shines a light on the Scriptures. Now, if you've read the Bible much, you realize that you can be reading a passage that you've read before maybe many times before, and yet you see a truth in it that you've never realized. That's the Spirit's illumination. Sometimes that happens in church as you're going through a passage. Words just jump off the page into your heart. And that's why I'm a big advocate on bringing a paper Bible uh, to church so that you can mark in it and write in it and just Get in it and get involved. And I'm not mad if you brought an app. I'm not on a soapbox. I'm just telling you why I think it's important. Uh, I think if you bring uh, a Bible with you to church, it, it makes more of an impact on the message on your heart. Uh, but the Spirit illuminates the Word. He does it based on your need, based on your station in life, based on your spiritual growth. In my Bible reading plan, uh, I use uh, the Version app. And uh, I have a Bible reading plan called The Bible in 90 Days. And so I read the Bible every 90 days. And then I'm also doing a chapter of the New Testament each day in the French as part of my language study. And I can assure you that there are verses that I run across every single week that have a fuller meaning than they had the last time I read them. Uh, there's one of our deacons who sends me devotionals every week from his Bible reading, and I always enjoy reading through because there's illumination from the Holy Spirit taking place as we read the Word of God. And uh, so that's illumination. But application is when the Spirit uh, guides you to keep the words that have been illuminated. Do you know the Holy Spirit never forces you to do anything? But he does guide you to follow the commands of Jesus. And then he gives you the courage to keep the commands. It's the Spirit's working in your life that turns you from a hearer to a doer. 
like it describes in James chapter 1. There's a lot of people who are hearers of God's Word, but there aren't as many who are doers of God's Word. And so the Spirit guides. Now, I want to see this third part, uh, He enables. He enables. And go back with me to Matthew chapter 10 now. Okay, so we've been in John. Now we're going to go back to the first book of the New Testament in Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at two verses there. Uh, Verse number 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And so we find out that God is the one who gives us the wording wherein when we are in times of spiritual battle or confrontation, when we are witnessing for Christ, when we're standing for God's truth, God gives us words to say. And I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation uh, where the Holy Spirit took over uh, and like you were saying words out of your mouth and at the same time you're thinking, how in the world did I come up with that? You didn't, all right? I assure you, you're not that smart. <laughs> I've had this happen myself t- so many times when I'm preaching, uh, especially when I'm doing like a verse-by-verse Bible study, like in our Wednesday night uh, group that we do. Wednesday nights at seven, or 6.45, we go verse-by-verse through the Scriptures, And I'll be teaching, you know, this stuff that I've studied already, and it's all written in the notes. And all of a sudden, it just goes in a totally different way. Like, whoa, where'd that come from? It's almost like there was a wind that blew it. Yeah, and the Spirit is the wind, right? So so we have this happen in our lives. Now, why don't you go to Ephesians chapter 3, and then we'll come back to John. So go to Ephesians Ephesians is after Galatians, and it's before Philippians. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Now, I want you to go back to John chapter 16. And we'll look at two places in John As we talk about how the Spirit of God enables us, how He empowers us, how He provides boldness for us uh, to follow God's truth and to do what God wants us to do. So there's an extended section here in John 16, starting in verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come... He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, of judgment because the prince of this world is judge. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, That he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. So this shows the work of the Spirit, not only on us, but on the world. Uh, You know that there are a lot of people right now in our modern culture who hate truth, right? They hate it, and they hate the word sin. They don't want to be called sinners. 
Why do they not want to be called sinners? Well, the nutshell is because they're sinners, right? <laughs> People who are sinners don't like to be called out for their sins. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, reprie- he reproves the world of sin, and he calls them to God. Uh, now, go back to chapter 15. Yeah, this one's not in your notes, but I want to talk about it a little. Uh, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Now, that pretty much sums up our need for the Spirit's work in our lives. Uh, I want you to notice something really important. I think we put this in your notes. Uh, The Spirit doesn't just make the Christian life better. He makes the Christian life possible. Make no mistake, you cannot live a life pleasing to God without the Spirit's enabling power in your life. Romans 8 plainly tells us that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In my flesh, I have no ability to please God. In your flesh, you have no ability to please God. Pleasing God is only done through the work of the Spirit. And it is in absolute agreement with how Jesus lived. Uh, John chapter 8 explains this. Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. Talking about pleasing the Father. And without the abiding presence of Jesus, we can do nothing. Uh, Speaking of abiding, let's look at this last one. He abides. He abides. Now, we've already looked at the first two verses Uh, But I want to read them again from a different point of view, this view of abiding. So John 14, verse number 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. We just saw in John 15, 5, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. I want to go also to Romans chapter 8. And if you are ever looking to understand the Spirit's working in your life, uh, you should read Romans 8 again and again and again and again. In fact, uh, if there is one chapter that every Christian should take time over the years of their Christianity to memorize, I think Romans 8 is the place to start. Uh, Romans 8 is the the most abundant chapter of of biblical application and knowledge that you could possibly come across. Look at Romans 8, verse number 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's powerful stuff right now. If you're a believer in Jesus right now, as you sit here this morning, the spirit of Christ that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. Now look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. And there's several passages we could go to in 1 Corinthians, but let's stick to this just one. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in you. And so the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, we said earlier that the Spirit of God is eternal. He's changeless in nature. But His dealings with man have varied through the ages. Now, follow back through uh, the pages of Scripture with me just in your mind. In the Garden of Eden, 
the voice of the Lord God walked with man in the cool of the day. Uh, the Spirit moved upon men for moments or seasons. Abraham was the friend of God, and he craved the presence of God. But God's presence only came at certain times. Jacob woke up from a dream once and said, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And so the presence of God was related to a place. God uh, told Moses, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And I love how Moses replied. He said, God, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. Right? Joshua was acquainted with the presence of God and heard from God about the battle of Jericho. Uh, Gideon had some brief moments when the Spirit of God touched his life. We're told that the Spirit of God moved on Samson at times. Samuel heard the voice of God and said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. We find in David's life in the Psalms a constant thirst for the presence of God. The presence of God appeared to Solomon on multiple occasions, and he watched as the presence of God miraculously filled the temple so powerfully that the priests had to leave the building. God's presence was too much for them. Other kings heard from God through the voices of prophets and priests. One of my favorite is Isaiah chapter 41 at verse 10, where God told Isaiah, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with my right hand. I think that passage is in the kids' bulletin here this morning. And, and so God's presence was everywhere uh, at times. And the presence of God was with the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. God's presence was with Daniel in the lion's den. And so we see that saints from ages past relied upon the presence of God just like we do. But the Spirit did not indwell them. The Spirit did not live inside of them. Yes, the Spirit guided and empowered their lives, but He was not constantly abiding in them. Now, my brothers and sisters, we have been given the limitless gift of God's Spirit living in us. And yet so often... We don't desire his presence like the people of faith in Old Testament times. We don't yearn for his abiding. And that's a concerning thing because Romans 8 verse 9 clearly states that if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If the Spirit isn't abiding in your life, then it can only mean one thing. You have never truly received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, you might have said some words or prayed a prayer, but you never yielded your life to Jesus. Two weeks ago, we saw this in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power through the Spirit to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The moment you turn from your way to God's way, the moment you receive the sacrifice of Jesus as your only path to God, you are spiritually born again. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, and He abides forever. As we close this morning, I want to leave you with the faith challenge. Galatians 5.25 says this, if we live in the Spirit, 
let us also walk in the Spirit. Now remember, we can only please God by walking in the Spirit. And we only have the Spirit's presence if we receive Jesus into our lives. I want to pray with you this morning. Father, thank you that the Spirit of God is available to work in our lives. And that if we have received you as Savior, that the Spirit of God abides in us. I pray that you'd help us to yield to Him. Lord, there may be somebody who's here this morning who has never received Jesus into his life or her life. And I pray that right now, that in their hearts, that they would go to you sincerely and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I'm turning from my way to yours. I receive you as my Savior right now. I receive the Spirit of God into my life. Father, I pray that you'd guide each of us to walk by your Spirit this week. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And we have an opportunity uh, to worship God in our giving this morning. And then we're going to sing this final song together. So I'd like to ask our ushers to come. And of course, as always, you can give here in person or online. There's also a text to give option. Today, uh, we have a special need uh, in our congregation. And there are times where we help people in the congregation out of a fund called the Benevolence Fund uh, that's helping people with needs. And we do have a need this morning. And so if you'd like to give toward that need, just mark it on your envelope or on your text or on your online giving that it's for benevolence. And that will go to help this special need here today. And once again, I, I want to thank all of you who have made faith promise missions commitments uh, these last couple of weeks to support missionaries and mission projects. And may God richly bless you as you give this morning. Father, bless as we give. We know that our tithes prove our honesty to you and our offerings prove our love to you. And so I pray that we would give willingly and cheerfully. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Would you stand together and let's sing this closing song. Holy Trinity. 
trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the God. We hope that you guys have a great week. We hope to see you back tonight at 530 right here in the sanctuary. And God bless. Have a good one.